so happy that we get to uh, worship no matter rain or shine, right? Imagine if we were uh, outside, that would be challenging. It would be challenging sometimes to worship. Um, when I was a missionary in Albania, we used to have facilities that were not like this, you know. Uh, it's a third world country and there was times when it would get so hot that um, you just see sweat just drop, just coming down on people. And it was amazing because people were zealous and fired up, but you really needed to keep the sermons, you know, shorter or else people were going to pass out in the thing. <laughs> the heat was really hot. I mean, there was sometimes it was like 100 inside, you know, and, and so one time I just said, you know, we're just doing one point, move on, let's get out of here. But um, today I'm actually going to do one scripture, one verse in the Bible. So, um, you know, that's encouraging, I think, in some ways, because to break down one verse and to really look at that one verse, it's a big verse, though, and I know we've been doing Philippians, and, and it's been awesome, and I hope you've been rejoicing more in your life, amen? amen. That you've been feeling like, you know, whatever's going on, uh, especially this year, there's been a lot happening in people's lives, and, and yet we can still rejoice, amen? Because God loves us, because there's a God that, in heaven who, who's going to make everything new, amen? Um, and that is the real message that we've been hearing, actually, throughout the service. And um, no matter what your day is like, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you to rejoice. Rejoice. Shake it off. Remember uh, what you have. What you have is a lot more than what you don't have. Amen? Amen. And today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, so you can turn there. What a nice picture. Ah. I gotta have. I think I'm gonna have um, Tim do my slides from now on. <laughs> do my sermon slides. Um, today's message is called "Think About What You Think About." I know it's a little tricky. Think about what you think about. How much do you think about what you think about? I'm gonna say it a couple times. I, it's not a typo. Think about what you think about. Right? Philippians chapter four. Let's start off there. We're going to read this passage a couple times. Of course, Paul's ending his incredible book. Uh, I believe it's one of the best book, you know, books in the Bible. It's, it's one of the most incredible books, uh, when, especially when we know he's in jail, when we know he's, he's going through intense pressure. And yet, uh, I've never seen Paul more fired up, more excited about being a Christian, more joyful than ever. You'd think he, you know, uh, just everything was going great in his life. If you didn't read chapter 1 and you just read chapter two, three, and four, you'd think, man, Paul's having a great day. And when you realize that, you know, it, it's, it's hard, it's challenging. And of course, last week was great to talk about prayer and petition, rejoicing always in the Lord, rejoicing always. That's a challenge. And, and that's still the challenge. And in this vein, uh, Paul's wrapping things up. And that makes me sad because I want Paul to keep on going, you know. I don't know about Eutychus, but, you know, Paul's speaking throughout the night. I'm fired up about that, you know? Eutychus fell out. He was like, oh man, I'm tired, it's hot. Boom, he fell out from the story, the, 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 you know, the second story uh, there. Um, but sometimes, uh, you know, as you end this, you see the most important things that he wants to address to the church. He wants to tell the church something very specific. And in verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
you know, we have to think about what we think about. And then we have to examine those thoughts. We have to put those thoughts to the test. The Bible says we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that we need to think about what we think about. It, it's certainly something that we all need to do better with. Amen. Yes. In this world of negativity. Yes. You know, how are you doing today? People will just, you, you can get what's, what they're thinking about when they say something back to you. Oh, another day. Another drag. You know, you're like, okay, what is that person thinking about when they say that? Interesting, you know. Um, a generation ago, uh, computers, you know, came into being. You guys know that? I was, I was driving up to Herman Middle School to uh, play a game uh, with Josh, or not me play a game, but coach a game. And we, drive, we drove by this place uh, right before we got to Herman and Carmel, which said, video store. Rent your videos here, you know? And I looked past there and I started laughing because it was like, it was vacant. It was a vacant lot, you know? And go, wow. And then Josh said, Josh said something funny. He said, I'm feeling very old right now. <laughs> what does that make me, you know? But he said, I'm feeling very old right now because I remember us going to the video store and renting DVDs. I'm like, whoa, that's true. That's true, you know, right? way back then, you know what I mean? And, and we know technology is changing so quick, but there is something that still is true, right? You know, they have something called garbage in, garbage out. If you know anything about computers, garbage in, garbage out. Basically, meaning that the raw data you put into a computer is going to determine whether that computer program works. And so a corrupted virus basically means that there's garbage in and the computer is not going to perform like you want it to and it's going to spit out garbage after that. And it's the same way with our thoughts, amen? Yeah. That if we let garbage come in, amen? Yeah. We let garbage continue to come into our minds and our hearts. If we allow that to happen, what's going to come out of us? Yeah. Garbage. Yeah. You know, good things coming in though, What's that going to mean? Good things coming out. And so we have to pay attention to our thoughts. Amen? Um, the average person has 10,000 separate thoughts a day, scientists say. Isn't that crazy? 10,000 thoughts. That's a little overwhelming to think about the fact. Now, sometimes I was joking with Jim that sometimes, you know, like that, uh, this is a test thing. Beep. You know, that, that thing on TV that you see sometimes. That's sometimes where I'm at sometimes. You know, what are you thinking about? Sometimes we need a little break from our thoughts, amen? But for the most part, we all think that. And if, if you live to 75, that means you have 26 million different thoughts in your lifetime. Uh, we are a thinking people, amen? You know, already this, today, you've had 2,000 thoughts before church. And you're probably going to have another 8,000 coming, obviously, you know, after church. And you're thinking right now, so of course there's going to be more thoughts. And if, if you're studying, that's more thoughts. This is an average day with people doing all different types of stuff. You know, if, we're, if we have that many thoughts, we need to be thinking about what we're thinking about. Amen? We need to be thinking about it because it matters. How we think really determines everything in our life. It determines how we live. It determines what we do. You know, our thoughts are really important. 
And this is something that I think we need to take responsibility for our own thoughts, that, that you can control your thoughts. You are the air traffic control person for your mind. Your mind doesn't play tricks on you. You are the one that controls it. Amen? Amen. Obviously, there are some challenges that people have uh, mentally. You know, uh, certainly that's something. I'm not talking about that. Although even that takes the mind and work of therapy. Amen? You know, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Beware of what you set your mind on, because that is surely what you will become. Norman Vincent Peale said, Change your thoughts, and you change the world around you. You know, that really, a lot of times, it's like, I wish this happened in my environment different. I wish that this was going on different in my life. But if we would just change our own thoughts, then our world would change. Do you believe that, church? You know, Henry Ford said uh, something uh, about thoughts. He says, thinking is the hardest work in the world, which is probably why so few people engage in it. <laughs> it is easier not to think. And, and I'm not talking about you know, being paranoid about our thoughts all the time and being extra hyper about that. But just asking ourselves the question, what am I thinking about right now? What's prevalent in my mind right now? What's going on with my thoughts on a daily basis? Where am I going? Do I have negative thinking going on in my life? Destructive thinking, sinful thinking in my life? Or do I have the thinking that's in Philippians 4.8. You know, and that's something to think about in a deep way. Think about what you think about. You know, this is, this is what Paul says. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think about these things. And we're going to talk about what these things are in a little bit. But... The first thing we need to address is examining our thoughts. Figuring out what are we thinking about and are these thoughts allowed in our lives? You know, you can say, no, I'm not going to think that way. But you have to replace it with something else. Amen? Amen. You know, if I say, don't think about Brandon's striped shirt. <laughs> don't think about it. Don't think about it. You're going to think about it, right? Because... But if, 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 if you replace that thought, you know, with Carl's nice, you know, tan, you know, uh, vest there, that helps me replace it. I already forgot about Brandon's, Brandon's, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of shirt does he have again? Okay. So there's five destructive ways of thinking, and, and this is certainly not an exhaustive concordance of it all. Because believe me, there's lots more. <laughs> but I think these are the big ones. These are the ones that I think can get us in trouble. And the first one is self-pity. Woe is me! Woe is me! You know, if only this would be happening, I'd be able to do this and this and this. You know, life can be hard, amen? But self-pity does nothing for us. It traps us. It paralyzes us. You know, um... Sometimes you can be basking in the sunshine. Other times you can get poured upon, right? It's all life. Life can hit you all the time. But self-pity allows you to not get out of that negative thinking. And, and it can happen a lot in our lives. You know, we've been sinned against. There's been things that have happened to us in our lives 
that definitely hurt us and have challenged us. And I'm not talking about, oh, we should just, you know, forget all that. Just, you know, that's not a big deal. A lot of it is a big deal. But if we, for, we, we make excuses for ourselves often. We, we rationalize our thinking. I know that's what I do in my life. I can say, man, if only this happened, and only that happened, I'd be able to do this, or that, or this. And the truth is, even people that have those other things still get stuck. And so self-pity hurts us, amen? I think another one that, that I hate the most, and I think Satan is involved in all these, is condemning yourself. Can I get an amen? amen? I'm getting that out of your mind for a second. That Jesus, what do you think Jesus thinks about us when we condemn ourselves? What does he think? He's like, man, I died to purify your conscience so that you'd stop condemning yourself so much. You know, what does condemning mean? It's, it's negative thoughts that you put toward yourself. I'm not smart. I'm too fat. I'm not, you know, uh, uh, spiritual enough. I have problems. I am broken. You know, all these things that we can say to ourselves, amen? I know I say it to myself. I'm a failure. I'm no good. Now, no one ever says it out loud. How are you feeling about yourself? I'm a failure. I'm no good. (laughs) And in some ways, we need to confess that. We need to confess that, right? We do need to talk about, you know, I'm feeling like a failure right now. I'm feeling like I'm no good. You know? You know, the Bible says that you're clothed in the clothes of Christ. That you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You know, you're just trying to fit in your new Jesus clothes right now. It doesn't mean that you're not looking like Jesus. I'm always late. I'm so stupid. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too skinny. I'm too fat. I need more muscle. No one ever says I need less muscle. (laughs) I need less muscle. Man, I got so much muscle, I just got to get rid of it. (laughs) Unless you're a bodybuilder and you're trying on jeans, then you got problems. Don't you feel bad for those bodybuilders? They always got to wear those, like, poofy poofy pants, you know what I mean? Dude. Um, But again, condemning yourself. We got to get rid of this. And I think, how how are you going to do this? Well, maybe journaling is what you need to do. What are my thoughts? Think about what your thoughts are. Pray it about it with God. God, I'm feeling really down on myself right now. I'm feeling really like incapable of doing this right now. I'm feeling like I'm just stuck right now. I'm feeling self-pity toward myself, you know? Those are the two big ones that come at us, but it doesn't just stop there because we got to blame someone for all the bad things that happened to us. And that's the last, the last of the third one is blaming. Blaming. It can be challenging not to do this. Now, we don't do this all the time, but in our moments of darkness, we, we sometimes can do this in our lives, is, is you know, we, 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 we can play the victim. Yeah. Blaming ourselves, you know. Man, you know, we need a scapegoat for our problems. You know, I like just to call Satan the scapegoat. God will allow that. But at the same time, even Satan can be a scapegoat too much. You know, Satan is coming after me. Satan's like, I didn't do that. You know, sometimes we give Satan too much credit, amen? He's not that powerful. We give Satan too much power sometimes. Oh, Satan did this. 
You know, Satan has to ask God anytime he does anything. The Bible says in Job, it says that he had to, especially when it comes to the people of God, he does have to. The Bible says that there's a hedge around us. And I believe that's not just Job, but any disciple of Jesus, there is a hedge around us. Amen? Amen. And yet God does sometimes allow that snake to get into our garden, right? But even then, God says, I believe you can do it. I have total trust in my servant, Glenn. He can overcome this. Amen. You know, but we have to take ownership for our own thoughts. Right. We have to take ownership for our lives. Ownership is a huge part of really overcoming our, our thoughts. Owning our thoughts. Not allowing them to go wild on us. Um, unwilling to change. This is a, it, it's more of a rationalization thing. It's like, Man, I, I have all this stuff going in my life. I'm no good. This stinking person did this to me. Therefore, how can I change? I need to address all these things before I can even do this. And this is where Satan sets. You know, where, where, you know he, he tricks us into thinking we can't change because in some ways we're unwilling to change. But it's easier just to be what we are. It's hard to do work as a Christian. It's hard to be a, a person that works on themselves. It's hard to think, you know, I'm not going to allow thoughts that are negative to come into my life. They're not allowed. I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. You know, Paul told us that we can think about these things. He's not saying try to think about these things. He's saying think on these things. Paul believes without a doubt that we can do this. Amen. God believes without a doubt that we can do this. And lastly, anger and bitterness. And that can, can really hurt us. In a big way. You know, um, it's the logical outcome of pity and being a victim and blaming. Is that you can start feeling upset, defensive, or bitter in your own thinking. And sometimes it doesn't come out in this ugly way. It can come out very sneakily, amen, uh, in our lives. You know, we hold grudges. We feel stuff, you know. It stews up. The negative thoughts stew up. And, and this can happen to all of us, you know. Don't ever think you can't ever get bitter. It can happen. It's happened to me in my Christian life. And I know what bitterness does. It, it keeps us from the grace of God, the Bible says. We can lose out on the grace of God if we have bitterness. And so we have to realize that God has solutions for our bitterness. And what's the biggest solution? Talking about it with someone. What's the biggest solution? Working it out. Confessing it. We need to confess our thoughts... Just as much as we need to confess our actions. A lot of times we think we only need to confess our actions. God says we need to confess what's going on in our hearts. How are you thinking right now? You're like, well, you're making me think negatively right now. You're making me examine myself. Well, it's important to think. What's the, what's the garbage going in? And it's not just all, it's all the stuff we see as well. I mean, the news, right? The media. All the things that hit us every single day. That is, we're like that computer that we need to be careful what's coming into our lives. Amen. Certainly there's more explicit things that we're going to talk about that we need to be careful about. But also, just the subtleties of, man, we live in a negative world and negativity. And even, let me just say it right now, New England sarcasm. <laughs> Can I get an amen, amen. from the people that <laughs> maybe aren't from here? You know, there's something about New England sarcasm, you know, and, and I, think, I think, you know, the Bible says that Nathaniel was a man who nothing was false in, amen? amen. He was sarcastic though, wasn't he? 
And Jesus helped him out, and he, he helped him out by, by saying something positive, amen? But again, we live in a, a sarcastic New England place. I don't know what it is, if it's the cold, makes it a little colder. I don't know what it is, but you can't be that sarcastic person. You have to go, you know what? Life is beautiful. Life is great. I'm going to have, have life to the full. Even though life is not all, what I have in God helps me not be sarcastic. What does sarcasm show us? That we're not dreaming. You can't be sarcastic and dream at the same time. You know? You, you can't be somebody who's, who's, who's feeling fresh and change if, if you're sarcastic. And I see it all the time. I see it all the time. You know, from the Patriots, they're, they're, all, they're all done, both Patriots. And then, then they get all upset to just really believing that people can change and grow and be different. He's always going to be that way. He's always that way. The Bible says that's not true. We have to replace our thinking with the thinking of God. Remember, we have the mind of Christ at our disposal. We have the mind of Christ at our disposal. You can be the air traffic controller. It's not something that's going to happen today from this sermon. You really are not going to figure it out right now. Oh, wow, I think all these things. This takes work. Paul spent a decade, I believe, working on this in his own life. Because who was Paul? He was an anger, bitter person. That's what he actually said. He was angry. He had anger issues. Paul did. Now, obviously, he was zealous for the Lord, but with zeal comes anger as well. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit, you know, with passion. Paul was a passionate person, no doubt. And his passions led him to kill people and hurt people and destroy the church. And so how does this man go from that to Philippians 4? Pretty amazing. Gives us hope that we can be that too. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's go on to the negative, the positive things. Amen? <laughs> let's move on to the negative. Think on these things. Think on these things. You know, the other day I was trying to do this. I was trying to say, what am I thinking right now? How am I doing? And I, and I, I tried to write it out in a journal. And it was really hard. I just want to say, this is not easy. I believe this comes from, uh, in many ways, this has to come from God and His Holy Spirit. You can't be a person that thinks this way on your own willpower. So that's the first thing I want to say. Because I tried it on my own willpower. I kind of treated it almost like an exercise of some type. And what I found was, I kept, my mind was, was fighting that. My sinful nature was fighting that. And so what I did was, I just prayed. God help me. To think like Jesus. And I don't know what it was, but just being able to surrender that helped me start thinking on these things. And so the first thing I want to say before we jump into this point, this is not a mental health, you know, positive thinking message. This is a spiritual, Jesus-reliant thing that we need to do. Amen? Amen? You can't think like this on your own. Why? Because you need the Holy Spirit to guide us to all truth. Amen? Amen. You do need this. And it's important for us to, to remember that. To remember that we need Jesus to think on these things. Amen? Amen. Well, what, is, what does he say you got to think on? Well, first thing he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. He starts with whatever is true. I, I'm always interested 
in that. You know, he doesn't say, hey, think on whatever is admirable. He starts with, think about what is true. Amen? Amen. And I think, how do we get out of our negative thinking? We need to think about what's true. What is the truth? What is real? What is the truth? You know, the, Knox translates this in the Greek is, all that rings true. You know, how do you know something's true or false? Well, you got to check it, amen? It has to be proven, amen? It has to be proven both in life and in our hearts. You know, I, I think about the fact, in my mind, one of the biggest truths that I always start off with is that God's word is true. God's word is true, amen? amen. And so if I'm going to say whatever is true, I can know that whatever is true in here is true in life. You know, another thing that rings true to me is that God's promises never get failed to be done by our God. Amen? Amen. That, 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 that God's promises always come true. Yeah. And so these are things that are important for us to hold on to. And then the next question is, what are God's promises? God promises us so many things. The first thing he says is that God promises us eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he also promises that he will keep his loving eye on you. He also promises that he'll keep watch over you when you sleep. He also promises so many other things. Yeah. You know, one of those things that I know is true is that God loves me. Amen. God absolutely, without a doubt, loves you. Amen. Loves you so much. I mean, more than you can even comprehend. That's what Paul says. In, in Ephesus, in the Ephesus letter he writes, he says it's beyond human comprehension how much God loves you. You ever say that to your son or, or, or daughter or, or someone you love? I love you so much, I can't even put it into words. Yeah. That's what God attempted to do in the Word of God. And the only language he could use was blood. The only language he could use was his son Jesus dying on the cross. You know, when I had family members pass away suddenly... That was hard. You know, when I prayed for them and they did not come back when I thought they might. I was, a part, I was at a part in my Christian life where things were going pretty good. And, and essentially, God was answering so many prayers. And then when I was looking over my stepfather in the hospital and he was dying. And, and, and my mom's like, please pray for him. I know God listens to you. He, she calls God my boss. <laughs> Talk to your boss for me. I'm like, Mom, she's, she's our God. Well, she's your specific. She's your boss. He's your, he's your boss, so talk to your boss for you. And, man, I, I like, I did everything. I prayed so hard. I, I, like, I did everything I know. I got on top of him even. This is embarrassing to say. I got on top of him in the, you know, he's on the ICU. And I prayed like Elijah did on him. I mean, it was intense. I prayed so much. I fasted. We were in Puerto Rico Hospital, and I was just crying out to God, not even caring about what other people thought. And he died. And I know we have similar stories like that, where you just think, man, God can do this. You know, this doesn't have to happen like this. You know, I felt like Martha and Mary. If you would have been here, Lord, you could have help this person how do you do that how do you not get negative 
in those moments? How do you not get mad at God in those moments? The Holy Spirit, amen? Because I wasn't in a great place. I wasn't like, yeah, God loves me. God is so awesome. I was not in that place, to be honest. And there are many times I'm not in that place. I'm not in that place. You know what the compass does, though? The Holy Spirit always brings me back and says, but what about Jesus? Didn't Jesus die for you? Didn't that prove everything that he loves you more than anything? Would you give up your son for anyone? Do you love anyone enough to give up one of your sons, Glenn? That's the Holy Spirit talking to you, right? That's when you know, whoa. No, God loves me. God loves me so much that he sent his son. This is a truth that we have to come back to, amen? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That is true. How do we know it's true? Well, why do we have a Christian church right now? How did a bunch of scragglers, you know, apostles that were nobodies make a movement that changed the world and is still going on? Where's his body? You know, one thing it could have stopped the service, right? Imagine if the Christians were like, I've been redeemed, they're doing this. And then someone just throws Jesus' body on the ground and says, drop the mic, there is no Jesus. That's all you needed to do. That's all they needed to do, guys. And it would have stopped. But that's not what happened. Because there's nowhere you can find that body on earth because that body's in heaven. And that's a truth that I think we got to hold on to. There's so many. There's literally thousands, tens of thousands of truths that we need to hold on to. I'm just asking to think on one. Think on one powerful truth that gets you out of that negative thought. For me, Jesus loved me and he proved it because he died on the cross for me. That helps me get out of whatever I want. My name's written in the book of life. Why? I don't know how that even happened. Because when you look at me, you go, how did that guy get his name put in the book of life? You know, I'm still running red lights. I'm trying not to. I'm a lot better now, but I still run red lights. I'm not a good Christian. I try to be, but I try. I, 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 I think I'm becoming more like Jesus, but I'm not good. I don't deserve to be in the, name, the, the book of life. Neither do you. But your name's in there anyways. And that's something you can rejoice on. I, I wanted to spend the most time with this because this is the first thing that he says. Whatever is true. Whatever rings true to you. And I'm not talking about postmodernism. I'm talking about real truth. Ringing true means the bells come on. That's what I'm talking about. It gets you out. You know, um, you know, with Lulu, we've been watching Caesar Milan a lot. <laughs> and I don't know who watched Caesar Milan. He's an interesting cat, right? Or a dog, you know. But you know, he essentially does something where he he goes like that. He does this sound, and he kind of jabs the dog in the side, or kicks it real quick. And it's not a, like a hard kick, but he says he it gets him out of the way that the dog's thinking. Amen. So that's what this is. This thing rings true. You're like, man, my life stinks. And, and the Holy Spirit goes, like that. <laughs> Whatever's true. Oh, yeah. Whatever's true. You know, it's important for us to think on these things. 
to recognize that the wall of sin has been knocked down when we were baptized. Amen. Forever. Amen? Amen. Whatever is noble. What's this word mean? Well, uh, noble means worthy, honorable of reverence. You know, this is an awesome, awesome thing to think about whatever is noble. The one person translated this noble seriousness. Noble seriousness. You know, the word in another place is said as the quality of an elder. Interesting, right? You know, it's a noble ambition. It's, it's something that, that is important in understanding. You know, when you think about elder, you think about the qualities that's written in there, that, that they have qualities. And, and God says, think on these things. Think on being noble. Amen? Think on the noble things around you. You know, sometimes someone just serves you for no reason. And that's noble. You know, somebody, I don't want to say their name because they'll ruin it, right? But just left a gift for Danielle. You know, just to say, I love you. That's the noble things that we need to think about. The ways maybe other people loved us. And maybe the ways we can be noble. Instead of thinking on our problems... How can we be noble to someone else? You know, whatever is right. You know, this is important. This is not just what's right in our eyes, but what's right in God's eyes. What is right? You know, um, imagine if our thoughts were broadcast all over the world. That's scary to think about, isn't it? That's kind of scary to think about. I don't, I'm glad I can't read your thoughts. <laughs> And I'm so glad you can't read mine. Now, I'm not thinking anything negative about you, but it's just crazy what we think about all the time, right? And yet, God does know what our thoughts are. The Bible says He searches your minds and your heart and examines you. But you know what the most amazing thing? He loves you anyways. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome about our God? That First of all, He cares about you enough to search your mind and heart. But then also, he cares about you enough that he overlooks this and says, I know you'll get on the right track, son, daughter. You know, living according to the world versus living according to latest opinions. It's amazing to think about the latest opinions and how much have changed. Guess what? 20 more years later, you're going to be like, you're going to be older and you're going to be like, I remember in my day, that would never have been happening. Things have changed so much. These young people, you're going to start saying that. You know what I mean? Or maybe you're already saying that. But the truth is, is it right if it keeps on changing, church? Shouldn't what's right always remain true? And so for us, we can't let the world's opinions determine what's right or wrong. A man and a woman in marriage, that's what's right. That's what God's word says. You know? The Bible says that we have no factions in the church. No racism is allowed, should even be put up with in the church. We shouldn't have cliques in the church. And if we do, we need to address them. That's what's right. You know, there's so many things in God's word that's uncomfortable to live out. And yet God calls us to live each one. If you're disobeying one of those commands, you need to get your thoughts on what's right. I guarantee you all of us have something that we need to change. And it's a wonderful thing when you actually do what's right. You know, there's nothing better in the whole world than when you change what you did wrong and did what's right. 
There's a freeness that you feel when you do that. I want to encourage you to not allow the world's opinions to determine your right. Whatever is pure, the Bible says. Whatever is pure, think on these things. This word means undefiled, chaste, clean, and holy. Holy thinking. Not gutter thinking, amen? Not sewage thinking. You know, this is something that uh, I was looking at an article. Seven tough questions to ask yourself about your pure thinking. I was like, oh boy. I'm scared to put this in the sermon. <laughs> Have I been with a woman or man in the past week in a way that could be appear compromising? Have any of my financial dealings been filled with integrity? Have all my financial dealings been, been, with, been, been dealt with with integrity? That's a great question. It's funny how purity has a lot to do with our finances. Have I viewed any sexually explicit material this week? Have I spent adequate time in God's word purifying my mind and in prayer? Have I spent quality time with and given priority to my family? Have I fulfilled the mandates of my calling? Whoa. Now we're getting seriously intense. What's our calling? I mean, I'm still, we're all trying to figure that out, but, but do I feel like I did all I could do for God this week? Have I just, have I lied to anyone in any form or fashion? And if I have, let me confess that. You know, and the last question is, if you're asking these things and you say no to them all, no, no, I've been good. Have you just lied? <laughs> That's a good one. I'm like, man. Uh, this is something that you can go over yourself and just think, how's my thinking going? How's my purity going? Because our purity has absolutely have to do with our thoughts. Man, we get attacked every day with our pure thoughts. In every way, in every form or fashion. You know, even you could be watching our cartoon, a Disney cartoon, and still something could happen. Satan can use it to form a, a thought that's not great. Whatever is lovely, church. Amen? Whatever is lovely. This is a great one. I like this one a lot. You know, the Bible says this word means in the Greek to love towards something. An affection towards something. You know, every time I look at Lulu, that's, that's, a, that's a, whatever's lovely. You know? Sometimes I look at her, I'm just like, wow, she's lovely, you know? You know, your, your spouse Whatever's lovely, you know? Dudes can be lovely, too. Amen? You know, a friend that you just care about so much, that's so lovely. A friend sticks closer than a brother or sister, the Bible says. You know, I got, got to call Kevin Miller, my, one of my best friends, on the phone. And we just go after each other, just encourage each other. And he'll be like, dude, you literally are my best friend. And then I go back, no, dude, you're literally my best friend. And we go back and forth, and it's really comical because my son's like, okay, we get it. You know, and, and it's just great to be able to have friendships. And I know I have many in here that are my great friends that are lovely to me. Lovely memories, lovely affection towards but then there's also just something, there's the beautiful things in your life are important to think about. It can get pretty discouraging sometimes. But when you think about what's lovely, there's something in there. And if you have a child, just looking in the face of that child, maybe after you give them a shower, 
but even sometimes when they got it all messy in their face, there's something about that. You know, a mom that just has been devoted to you all your life. Mother's Day's coming up, guys. You know, most of our moms are incredible in our lives, and I know some of us, it's harder with our moms, but at the same time, there is a family member in your life, I guarantee, that you can thank God that's been so good to you. Maybe a grandma, maybe a grandpa, that's just lovely to you. Think about the lovely things in your life. You know, here's a simple rule. If it's not lovely, and you're not thinking on it, it doesn't make you lovely. So don't say it, don't think it, don't do it, don't dwell on it, and don't repeat it. Loveliness is truly a great way to describe our God. Beautiful and lovely. Whatever is admirable. This is a worthy study, contemplation. Um, it's admirable. You know, admirable, praiseworthy. Both of these are kind of cool things to think about. And the way I think about this is, man, as disciples, you're living an admirable life. You know, you, you, there's a lot that you do daily that makes you a hero. Amen? Now you go, what do you mean? You know, just denying sin is an, an admirable thing. Yeah. People are watching. And you'll get it sometimes. People will come, I've never met anyone like you that just loves like you do. Comes out of nowhere, right? You're like, oh, hey, I was just thinking a negative thought right now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know? But for all of us, we have to remember, what are the admirable things we can do in our life? What are the admirable ways we can think? You know, for instance, there's two ways to think. Wow, building the church is really hard. You know, there's Satan, there's demons, there's all the sinful hearts. Sometimes you, you're trying to get people salvation, and they're running from it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They're running from eternal life. They're like, dude, come back. Eternal life. It's free. Oh, no, I'm not getting none of that. I'm out of here. You're like, what? I'm scared. What, what do you mean you're scared? Don't be scared. Oh, I'm, I'm running into this party right now. You know, that's going to be great. It can be hard. We can think it can be hard. Or it could be the best work we could ever do. It's, it's because it's hard, it's admirable. And I think that's a better way to look at building the church up. Amen. That, oh, yeah, it's hard, and, and man, you know, it is a narrow road. But isn't it admirable beyond the road less traveled? Amen. We love quoting that thing. But you know, that's who you guys are. You are the people that have taken the road less traveled. And that, amen, amen. makes all the difference. Amen. And to think of yourselves like heroes. You know, we just saw Infinity Wars and every war, you know, that was a crazy movie, right? Every superhero came out, you know? I'm like, oh, look at that. The tick came. Look at the ticks here, you know what I mean? You're like, you know, just all these people came out, you know? And they're all fighting this one foe. You know, that's, we're all heroes like that. And some days we lose, right? Some days we win. But in the end, we're all going to win, amen, because we took that road less traveled. Is anything excellent or praiseworthy? Think on those things. Those things that God himself would approve. That's pretty encouraging to think about. What would fire up God right now for me to think about? Well, that's an awesome thought. That just melts all my negative things away. Making my God proud. 
What could I do that make God proud today? What a great question. What a great thing to think on. Amen? You know, whatever is morally excellent. You know, these are some things to think about. Think on these things. You know, and, and lastly, as we think about just how are we going to change our mind, we got to examine it. And so what I'd like you to do this week, simply, is to repent. <laughs> what does repent mean? Well, it means metanoia. Yeah. And a lot of times we talk about, okay, you know, you need to repent and be baptized, right? And that's an important thing. But we st- where does repentance begin? Our mind, right? Meta, right? Meta means change. Noia means your mind or your worldview. And so it's important. Every day we got to have a metanoia in our quiet time. Every day we have to set our hearts. It's great to do in the morning because it starts off. We'll have less negative thinking if we do it in the morning. I believe that. Or whenever you're feeling an anxious thought or a thought that's maybe not from God, have a metanoia moment. How do you do this? Well, it's super, super Easy and hard at the same time. Easy if you rely on God. God, help me to think on these things. Take out your Bible, go to Philippians 4.8 and read about it. And then right now say, I'm not going to think about how bad I am at my job. (laughs) I'm not going to think about how challenging this day is and how, man, woe is me if I can only do this. A lot of times the things that are challenging are blessings at the same time. You know? Sometimes we're like, man, school works so hard. Yeah. <laughs> school works too hard, but then you think, wow, I'm 1% of the whole world that goes to school. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's pretty amazing that I get to do that. What a blessing. Yeah. What a blessing. Sometimes we say that in our household, my wife and I. What a blessing. When, when something negative happens, one of our kids maybe freaks out. What a blessing. <laughs> you know, but it is true, you know, that even our kid can freak out. You know, one of Josh's um, teammates, um, he's a really awesome kid. His name's Nick. And he was a great athlete on our AAU team. And he was having stomach problems um, on, on uh, Saturday, last Saturday's game. And he looked off because he usually like bangs people and is wicked intense. And, you know, he's, he's kind of our bruiser on our team. You know, he kind of he kind of is our big man that doesn't take no from nobody, you know. And he's from Westbrook and he um, his stomach wasn't good. And, and our coach is fired up. Coach Corker, you know, uh, Seth knows Coach Corcoran. And so he gave him some love, some love. And he's like, get in there, what's going on with you? And he says, my belly hurts, you know? And he's like, okay, get on the bench. And I looked at him, I'm like, what happened to you? He's like, ah, I threw up today. I'm like, why are you even here then, man? Like, we can't expect you to play if you're feeling this way. Tell coach, you know? So he did tell coach. Come, come to find out, Sunday morning, they brought him to the hospital, and he had huge mass in his colon. And he has colon cancer. This guy who was incredibly playing just amazingly has colon cancer and it's really shooken us all you know our kids everyone and yet what's the most amazing thing is his attitude he's like I'm fighting this thing you know and his dad and him have been incredible examples to me of of thinking good things you know we're gonna fight this thank God for all this 
the, the, the nurses in the hospital, we're going to be able to take, you know, hopefully take this out. And he's still got a really good fighting chance. But when my kids are freaking out, and it's like, it's a little loud in the house. But I remember, wow, thank God that they are yelling. Thank God they spilt milk on the ground, and they're freaking out about it. That's a whole different way to look at things. Amen? You know, when you, your mind changes, your world changes too. Let's think on the things that God thought about. How did Jesus deny every sin that he ever you know, got tempted to do? How did Jesus live in a world full of strife and challenges? I mean, the guy was born when babies were just getting killed by Herod. How did he keep his joy? How did he keep his faith? It started here. And so the one who can control his thoughts is the one that can change the world around him and have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, we can change the world like Christ did. Amen. 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 Amen.